gather your Bibles or devices, uh, turn with me to the book of Acts in the New Testament. Right after the Gospels, you have the book of Acts, and we're going to get there in just a moment. I want to say thank you to our, our kids that uh, in their Bible fellowship today, they, they uh, gave me cards, and obviously they talked about the, how powerful God is. And so uh, I just am very grateful for that. I've got uh, about 40 years worth of the, these things. Uh, it's very good, very good. Huh. Okay, those are good. Don't y'all wish y'all got them. Oh, man. It's so good to see you today. This this is crazy. Uh, if you'd have told us that we are going to be starting the year with a, a snowstorm, it's just crazy. Um, I, I, I want to ask you to do something. I, I don't normally do this, and please understand this is not an ego thing at all. But if you were unable to hear the message last week or stream it, I, I want you to go back and listen to it. Uh, like I say, it's not... Not an ego thing. It's just to give you foundation to where we're headed over the next few weeks. And um, uh, we talked about how that, uh, I give you the illustration that it seemed like with COVID, it was like staying at a uh, hotel for a couple of days and that uh, we live out of our bags and we keep waiting for it to go away. And we don't know when it's going to go away, so we need to unpack our bags and say, God, how do you want to use us in the midst of of these times? And so I've gone back and just kind of building the foundation of who we are uh, uh, according to God's Word and how how He wants to use Central right now. So we're going to talk about that over the next few weeks. And we're going to be in Acts chapter 2 in just a moment, but let me me kind of... uh, Set the stage for you a little bit. One of my favorite preacher stories is is this. There was a man on a deserted island, and uh, he had been on this deserted island for years. And finally, a ship comes to the island and finds him. And they notice he has constructed three huts. And uh, the first hut, they ask him, what is that first hut? He said, that's my house. That's great. That's your house. What's the second hut? He said, I'm a Christian. That's my church. He said, man, that's great. What's the third hut? He said, that's the church I used to go to. And I, and I think about these times we live in. I think about we've got a house, we've got a church, and pre, uh, post-COVID, what's the church going to be like uh, as we walk through this? But God uh, is unpacking some things for us that I think is very important for us to grab in such a time as this. It has not taken him by surprise at all. Um, there was, in, in the last book of the Bible, I'm going to get to Acts in just a moment. The last book of the Bible, Revelation, was written by John, uh, one of the apostles. And he writes in there, as it's revealed to him, there are seven letters that are written to seven different churches from Jesus. And he comes in Revelation chapter 3. There's one particular church called the church in Laodicea. Laodicea is a town, and he's writing them a letter. And Jesus starts out by saying, I wish you were either cold or I wish you were hot, but because you are lukewarm, I am going to spew you out of my mouth. 
In other words, they, they weren't anti-God and they weren't on fire for God. They were just kind of apathetic and lukewarm right here in the middle. And Jesus said, uh, man, because of that, I'm going to have to spew you out of my mouth. And, and then he goes through that and he comes at the end, uh, Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. This is what Jesus says to the church. We use it as an evangelistic scripture, and that's okay, but it's really talking to the church. He said this, Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and anyone who opens the door to me, I will come in and fellowship with them. Now, imagine that Jesus is outside of the church himself, knocking on the door, saying, Let me in. This should be all about me, but let me in. Now, I think about that church in Laodicea, and I think about, did they know they were lukewarm before Jesus addressed them that they were lukewarm? Or had they just drifted into this state of lukewarmness? And and I think about what, what caused them to be lukewarm? What caused them to be nauseating, uh, to Jesus? And, and I thought maybe they, they started on fire, spirit led, and then the fire slowly dimmed and they were doing everything in the flesh now and uh, expecting the same results, but they were just going through the motions. Maybe that was the deal. Or, or maybe, uh, maybe they had just been so in love with Jesus and that love had just grown cold over time. Uh, who knows? But, but somehow they had come to this state of lukewarmness and to be honest with you, I don't think they knew it. I think they were just apathetic and they didn't know that it would, had happened. I share that with you because the church in America and even Central have to ask ourselves, are we lukewarm? Have we come to a state of apathy and that we're lukewarm and we don't know it? You know, we don't even know it. Um, Hans Christian Andersen uh, wrote a fable that many of you have, have heard of called The Emperor's New Clothes. And uh, what happens in the story, I'm going to tell it to you right quick, paraphrase version, is there's this emperor over this village. And uh, he, this is a, a good village, a lot of people. And these two swindlers come to town. And these two swindlers come... And they have this uh, scheme that they do, and that they say that they're, they can weave garments, and they will make these garments, and they have such a special cloth and thread that only the wise and intelligent can see it, but the ignorant and stupid cannot see it. And they go to the king and, and say, Hey, we will make you these clothes. And since you're the wise king here, you will probably want this garment because the ignorant and the stupid cannot cannot see it. And he says, oh, yes, make that for me. So these swindlers go and they have a room and they pull out their loom and, and they're working and weaving, but they have no cloth. But they acting like they do. And they burn their candles all night so that others will think they're working so hard. So finally the king sends one of his administrators down there and he says, go down there and see how they're going. Well, he goes down there and peeks in a, in a window in the door, and he can't see any cloth, but he sees busy guys. And he thinks, 
Am I stupid and ignorant? I can't let that out. I can't come across as stupid and ignorant because I cannot see the cloth. So he goes back to the king and the king says, well, how's it going? He said, it's going incredible. You ought to see the pattern that's on this material that they're making. And the king says, I can't wait. And finally the day comes and these two swindlers, these shysters, these tricksters come to the king and they act like they're handling some garments. And, and the king says, he looks at them and he said, oh, how beautiful they are. And he says, I'm going to plan a parade through the town so that everybody can see my new garment. So he sheds his uh, garment that he's wearing, and the guys act like they're putting this garment on him, and he looks in the mirror, and he makes a comment about how beautiful he looks, and he goes out into the town. Now, the people are kind of scared of the king, and and uh, won't won't uh, they're looking at this, but they're saying, oh, how beautiful a garment the king is wearing. Oh, the emperor is wearing a beautiful garment. And finally, some little boy just yells out, he said, the king's naked. He has no clothes on. And then all of a sudden, everybody realized that that was the truth. But the emperor had been tricked into thinking that he was something that he was not. And I wonder, as I share that story, I have a concern that we talk about the love of God and we talk about the power of God and we talk about the life transformation of God and we talk about these things to a world that's out there and yet, is it true? Are we just telling a story? I get concerned in that area. I I, I wonder if everything we are sharing is truly happening? Is the church truly today influencing the culture? Or has the church become lukewarm? What kind of letter might Jesus write to us today? Now in Acts chapter 2, I'm going to pick it up in verse 42, but I've got to tell you what happens until verse 42. What happens is, Jesus has been crucified, He rose from the dead three days later, He is now, uh, He was on the earth for 40 days, he is now ascended up into heaven and he commands the apostles, the disciples, to go to an upper room to pray. And for ten straight days, they pray. They cry out to God and they pray. And on the tenth day uh, happens what we call Pentecost. The Holy Spirit comes down upon those that are praying, comes in as a mighty rushing wind. Uh, it, the, the scriptures describe it as it appeared like flames on each of their heads. And some spoke in languages that others, uh, they, they could understand. And, uh, so this is taking place. The people are perplexed. They don't know what's going on as they view these people. And, uh, they say, are they drunk? And Peter says, no, they're not drunk. It's nine in the morning. There's no way they're going to be drunk. This is the fulfillment of the prophecy of Joel, the prophet, that the Holy Spirit has come. And uh, then he says, and anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So he, he describes that. And so the people, and then Peter stands up and gives the first sermon uh, for the new church under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And there's a couple of things he says as he uh, unfolds who Jesus is and what he has done. And he says this in, in verse 23. He says, he's very direct. He's talked to these Jewish people, 
He says, you nailed him to the cross. And then in verse 36, he says, whom you crucified. In other words, it is direct and to the point. Even though the Romans are the ones who nailed him to the cross, he is letting these Jews know who had been there to say, crucify him, crucify him. He was letting the people know it was your sin that put Christ on the cross. Listen, it was my sin that put Christ on the cross. But the people, it says, were cut to the heart. They were pierced to the heart. They were under conviction. I think there was conviction of sin, but it was also fear in the fact that if this Jesus rose from the dead, he may show up all of a sudden and wipe us out. So they were cut to the heart. And then this is what they said. Brothers, what must we do? What must we do? Listen, people aren't asking that question today. And either the church is not living it or we're not loving correctly or they're so hard, but they're not asking that question. And they were asking that question. Brothers, what must we do? And Peter stood up under the anointing of the Holy Spirit and he said, first of all, repent. You're headed a certain direction. Repent means do an about face. Don't be heading that direction. You need to turn and head towards Jesus. And he says, repent and be baptized. What is baptism? Well, uh, it was more than just water baptism. It was make a declaration, make a public stand that your life has been changed. So repent, turn from where you're going, make a public display that you are following Jesus. And it will be costly. And then you, he says this, and then you will receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and fill you and equip you to, uh, to serve. And so this is what Peter tells them. And they, all of a sudden, under this conviction, hear this, 3,000 came to be followers of Jesus that day. Imagine your church is just a handful of people and the next day, 3,000 come to Christ. And, and what happens is, is in Acts 2.42, this picks it up right after these people have had their life transformed by a relationship with Jesus. Acts 2.42 through 47. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Now, what I want to come across and deal with, I'm just going to deal with verse 42 and part of it. So you're going to think, man, he's not getting very far. But here's the reason. In fact, this you can write down these three words because this is where we're going to go in just this little bit. First of all is committed. Second word is commentary. And the third word is community. And then next week we're going to deal with uh, communion and communication. But today we're dealing with committed, uh, commentary, and, and we're going to deal with uh, community. 
Now, notice what the scripture says here. It says that, and they, this is the 3,000, devoted themselves. Now, the word devote means uh, to remain faithful or to focus exclusively on. So you remain faithful to or you focus on exclusively. Here's what happened. As soon as uh, their lives were transformed, they made a commitment of their life to follow and, and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. All of a sudden, something happened in their life that they were totally sold out exclusively to follow and find out about this Jesus. That's what happened. It scares me in our day that we are sometimes about the business of enlisting people to come to our church instead of giving them the transforming message of Jesus. And we have to be careful. Because you are here today does not mean you are a follower of Jesus. Just because you're in a garage, you're not a car. There's a commitment that you make. These people were sold out to Jesus. They were totally focused in that area. And often... Uh, we play religious games. There was no religious game here by adding Jesus to their lives. You know, sometimes people say, well, I want to follow Jesus, but I want everything else too. Listen, there is an exclusivity that God demands uh, as we follow after him. And and the word devoted also is, gives the picture of a gaze. You know, we we put our gaze upon something. We glance at certain things, but we put our gaze. And these people, because of what happened in their lives, uh, all of a sudden, their gaze was now transformed and that they were going to focus on Jesus. They would glance upon the world. They weren't burying their heads in the sand, but they were gazing upon Jesus. We sing that, that song, Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face. And all the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. We are to called to gaze, and it, it seemed automatic because of the transformation. They were committed, and they committed themselves. Now, the second word is commentary. Look, look what the Scripture says. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. The word commentary, it, it actually uh, means... An explanation of an event or situation. This is the commentary. An explanation of an event or a situation. The apostles' teaching, the reason they adhere to the apostles' teaching is because the apostles had walked. They had been eyewitnesses. They had been journeyers with Jesus, travelers with Jesus. And so they wanted to hear from them, hear about this Jesus, hear the commentary of the days we live in. And to hear about Jesus and what he means. And so the apostles would teach and they would listen to them. And they would steadfastly uh, learn from the apostles. And, and we do not have apostles today. We do not have the eyewitnesses with us today. But what we do have is the word of God that is inspired by the Holy Spirit. The same one that came at Pentecost and that's the word of God that we have. So we also, as we follow after Jesus, we devote ourselves to the apostles' teaching, to the teachings of Scripture. You remember, uh, if, you, if you know anything about the Scriptures, in Luke's Gospel, after Jesus rose from the dead, 
that particular day, in the afternoon, there are two disciples that are walking down the road to a town called Emmaus. Jesus all of a sudden shows up visiting with them. They don't recognize them, but eventually he uh, reveals himself to them. And he, this is what it says in Luke chapter 24, verse 27. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. So what does that mean? That means, excuse me, that means that they had the, the scriptures, they had the Old Testament scriptures, they had the, the writings of Moses and the prophets, and Jesus went back to the uh, testimony of Moses in the scriptures, and he taught them what? He taught them about himself. So what the scriptures, there's 66 books bound in this one book. Genesis to Revelation. Every verse is ordained in such a way to lead you to Jesus. The Old Testament is setting the stage for his coming. The Gospels tell us about his life on earth. The writings of the Acts and Paul's writings and James and Peter and John, they are to focus on how we are to live until he returns. So all of this, the DNA, you cut it, it's Jesus. And we are to devote ourselves to the apostles' teaching. And you know, you can read the Bible and get inspiration. I mean, David and Goliath, uh, Gideon and his army, David's mighty men. I mean, you can read it for inspiration. You can read it for motivation, Sermon on the Mount, Paul's writings, I can do all things through Christ. You know, we read it for motivation. But let me tell you, the ultimate purpose of the Scripture is revelation. It is to reveal God to us. Ultimately, that was in Jesus. We read the Scriptures so that we can learn about Him. So, what does that look like uh, at Central? What does that look like for you and me today as we think about devoting ourselves to the Apostles' teaching? Well, number one is this. Whoever whoever's going to get up here and preach at Central behind this cypress tree, it's going to be Bible-based preaching. It's not going to be from USA Today. It's not going to be from Facebook. It's going to be from the Word of God. And so we want to take the Word of God and look at the signs of the time in which we're living and say, God, by your Holy Spirit, would you reveal to us how we are to walk this out. So Bible-based preaching. If you listen to preachers online or, or uh, teachers online, listen, you, you see, if, is it Bible-based? It's not opinion-based. Bible-based. So Bible-based preaching. Number two, whatever group you're a part of, Bible fellowship or, or small group, make sure it is a Bible-centered group. Uh, you're not just gathering to uh, uh, to share your thoughts with one another. Make sure the Scripture... So you, you go to a Bible fellowship, you expect that teacher to be teaching from the Word of God and not pulling Time Magazine up there to teach you. It's the Word of God. So, first of all, Bible-based preaching, Bible-based group that you're in. And then thirdly, is your own personal growth in reading the Bible. Uh you learn how to feed yourself as you read the Word of God. Now, now I know, and I talk to people, 
And people have busy schedules. And some people say, well, I'm not a reader. I'm not a reader. But let me try to help you a little bit. Uh, first of all, as you go before the Lord, because you know the importance of His Word, if you have no hunger for the Word of God, I, I wonder what's blocking your flow there. But let the Lord give you a hunger for His Word. Get a, get a readable translation. Um, get, get one that's readable. This, this is my study Bible. This is my ESV. Uh, but a lot of times through reading in, in the year, I'll use the New Living. Something readable translation. Get a readable translation for you. Second of all, uh, set a time and, and, and allow that to be your time um, that you can set, a, set apart to read the Scriptures. And then uh, get a, a pen or pencil and, and a pad of paper. The reason I say that, some of you like to write in your Bibles, and I'm perfectly fine with that, uh, to write in there. Uh, just get, don't, don't get stuck on just reading what you marked. You gotta be careful there. So, you, but have that pencil and the Holy Spirit shows you something. Write that down. And then, uh, get a plan. Don't just open the Bible up and say, oh, I'm gonna read this today. Get a plan. Uh, we have plans out there that we keep all the time. Those plans are going to take you through the Scriptures in a year. But some of you say, I can't read that much. I need something uh, more bite-sized. We, uh, we push you towards the YouVersion app. There are some in there. And uh, hear this. Hear this. Uh, because somebody, somebody will say, yeah, but Mark, I, I don't like to read. I, I don't like to do that. Here's the deal. You can get YouVersion to mail you, email you, your plan, scripture reading, every day. And, and get this, you can hit the little arrow and it will read it to you. Now, that's okay. I, I don't have a problem with that. Saturate yourself with the Word of God. That, that's fine. And, and, but we live in a day where there's absolutely no excuses. I mean, there was a day when people gave their life's blood to see that this scripture got out and, and, and got into hands that it could be there. And now, today, somebody can email it to us and read it to us, and we, we're apathetic towards it. We've lost the pricelessness of the Word of God. And so, we need to, we need to come back to the Apostle, devote ourselves to the Apostle's teaching. So, committed, commentary, and then the third thing is uh, community today. Notice what it says. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship. And the fellowship. The Greek word here is the word koinonia. And uh, for you that, that are a little bit older like me, remember youth groups in the 70s, and koinonia was a big deal. Uh, but koinonia literally means a partnership centered around a common objective. A partnership centered around a common objective. So the fellowship is people coming together, and, and these people were coming together, and the common objective was Jesus and his kingdom. So that's the community that we're called. The definition of fellowship is this. The definition of fellowship is two people in the boat 
paddling the same direction. Not like my wife and I, we were in Costa Rica, we got on a two-man kayak, and we had marital problems after that. We were going different directions. It is going, paddling the same direction. We, that is community. Community is not just uh, cake and punch and, and this kind of stuff. It's doing life together around a common objective. And for us as followers of Jesus, it is him and our, his kingdom. And the scriptures uh, tell us about these one another passages. There's over 50 times in the New Testament that one another is mentioned. I want to read some of them to you just so you know what I'm talking about. Love one another. This occurs at least 16 times. Be devoted to one another. Honor one another above yourselves. Live in harmony with one another. Build up one another. Be like-minded towards one another. Accept one another. Admonish one another. Greet one another. Care for one another. Serve one another. Bear one another's burdens. Forgive one another. Be patient with one another. Speak the truth in love to one another. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Submit to one another. Consider others better than yourselves. Look to the interest of one another. Bear with one another. Teach one another. Comfort one another. Encourage one another. Exhort one another. Stir up one another to love and good works. Show hospitality to one another. Employ the gifts that God has given us for the benefit of one another. Clothe yourselves with humility towards one another. Pray for one another. Confess your faults to one another. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. And these people realized they could not go solo in their faith. They needed one another. See, America, we are built on solo. We applaud the rebel and the solo person. We think the most important thing on all the Internet is our Facebook page. Because we are so solo-minded. And yet the Scriptures say we are to do all of these one-anothers. You've got to be with people to do the one-anothers. So what does that look like uh, for us at Central? Well, number one, I think we need to be bold enough to come before the Lord and say, Lord, Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I I truly want to be filled with your Holy Spirit. But the number one place that you show community is in your family. Now, here at Central, we're going to baptize in a couple of weeks. Uh, A lot of times in baptisms, dads will do the baptizing. Scriptures are are kind of silent on who baptizes. A lot of times dads will do it. And, And somebody may say, well, should not a pastor do that? Well, yes, I think a dad is the pastor of the home. He should be. And so he, he pastors his flock. And I know somebody's going to say, well, the dad hadn't stepped up or he stepped out. And many of you moms have had to step into that place. I applaud you for that. But, but start in the community, one another's in your family. Now, second of all, we, uh, we have groups here. So some of you are in groups at your workplace that are centered around the gospel. But we have Bible fellowships here. Uh, during the 10 o'clock hour, we had them for our preschool. And please understand, preschool is not babysitting here. 
Preschool is to love these little ones with the love of the Lord. They actually have a curriculum for them. So we start with preschool. Then we go to our kids' Bible fellowship. And uh, what I get excited about, and some of you, I would really prayerfully consider serving in our children's ministry. i tell you why. You don't know who's in there. Uh, they, I think that God is raising up out of our children's ministry some kids that are going to be world changers. And you get a chance to be in on that right now. And uh, so I encourage you in that area. Uh, kids ministry Bible fellowships. We have student Bible fellowships. We have uh, adult Bible fellowships. We have them. And, and, and so we have all these Bible fellowships. And I know Brett does a good job in connection and community. He does a fantastic job in that area. And somebody will come up to him and say this, I've tried them all and I don't find a fit. Now, that may be, the common denominator may be you, but uh, uh, you, you can't find a fit. Here's, here's my encouragement. Start a group. You start one. You find some people that, that you are connected with and you, have, you do life with, and you start a group. And, and let, just see the life change as you do the one another's together. We're called to do the one another's, and we're called to do community together. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 says this, And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. There was a young lady by the name of Linda, and she had her little Honda Civic, packed down, and she was headed between Alberta to Yukon to a, a little town by the name, name of Whitehorse. And she came into a place for the evening to spend the night, and she went to the hotel, and she told the uh, guy that was behind the desk at the hotel, said, uh, would you give me a 5 a.m. wake-up call? And he looked at her kind of strange. He couldn't believe that she and that Honda Civic were going to head into the mountains uh, with the snow and the fog that would be there. But she said, I want the call, and she was determined. So at 5 a.m., she got the call and went down to eat breakfast. The only persons in there were two truckers, and they said, why don't you come eat breakfast with us? Well, she thought to be polite, I'll go over there and sit with them. And they said, uh, where are you headed? And she said, I'm headed to Whitehorse. You're headed to Whitehorse in that Honda Civic. Don't you know how bad it's treacherous just to drive these roads anytime? And she was kind of arrogant, and she said, "What well, I'm bound and determined to make it. And so one of the truckers spoke up, and he said, well, I guess we're going to have to give you a hug then. And she stood up and said, neither one of you guys is touching me. And uh, the other guy said, no, no, no you don't understand said, uh, what we're going to do is I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put my truck in the front and we're going to put you behind me and the other truck will come up behind you and we'll be able to safely take you through the pass through the mountains. So that's exactly what they did and she made it safely because these two truckers were willing to give her a hug. Listen, sometimes life is foggy, sometimes it's treacherous, Sometimes we're trying to do it on our own. Listen, we need a group to help hug us 
to get through it. And we need that community. And that's what these early believers found out right off the bat, is that we're devoted, we're committed, but we're going to have to get into the apostles' teaching, and we need other people. We need the fellowship. How are you doing with your commitment? Are you committed to Jesus, or is it just token following? You've always gone to church, so this is where you're at today. Listen, I think the Spirit of God, if we truly believe this, and what He did in Acts chapter 2, is willing to come and cut your heart today, and you ask, what must I do? Repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. How are you doing with your commitment? How are you doing with your commentary? Are you, are you willing are you willing to get into the Word of God? And, and listen, I, I, I hate it when people say, it's such a chore for me. It's such a, a discipline for me. Listen, I, I pray that the day comes where the Spirit of God so inhabits us that we can't go without it. That we can't go without it. And then how's your community? Are you trying to do this thing solo and you're finding yourself beat up? I really feel for our people online. I'm so excited that people tune in online, but I know it's difficult with community. And I know some people just aren't able to get out yet, but but that doesn't mean we don't gather somehow for community. I end with a story because it's truly a picture of the church. There was a weary traveler who came into the French village of, of Doube on a Sunday evening. And it was towards the evening. And he noticed that everybody was walking in this village towards the church down the way. And they were carrying a lamp with them. And so he asked one person, where are you headed? And they said, well, we're headed to the church. Why does everybody have a lamp? Well, in 1555, when the, when the church was constructed, the mayor decided that there would be no lights put in the church. But everybody would bring their own light. And then if everyone was there, it would be much more worshipful and be very happy. But if people weren't there, it would be more somber and, uh, and there would be, not be that much light. The worship would not be what it needs to be. And the guy thought, I've got to see this. And so we went to the church and went inside and sure enough, it was completely lit up and there was no light in the ceiling, no lights, but everybody had a place on their pew where they put their lamp and it gave light so that they could worship. Listen, I wish everything in me, everything in me wishes that every, every individual that we have on our role, every individual in this community basically, but everybody that is part of Central, that they would realize their, their importance. And I don't mean that from an ego trip. I, I really wish they would realize their importance about their being a part of the body of Christ. And, and that the more we come, the more we're together in groups, the more we worship, the, the more light we have to shine out into the world. And so I just, I just encourage you today. Um, man, you're important. You online, you're important. I don't want you to ever think that this is not about you. This is about us as we move into this year. Bow your head with me, if you would, please. I want to just speak to your heart just a moment. 
And 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 listen, uh, just your head bowed and your eyes closed. Um, are we promoting something that is not a reality? Is are are we poor, naked, and and blind and not knowing it, and we think we're robed in a particular way? Listen, I I believe that what happened in Acts chapter two, yes, it was radical, and many people say it's it's not to be duplicated; it's just to be perpetuated. But yet, I don't know. I, I just know that the power of God is powerful. And uh, I, I long for the day when people say, Brothers, what must I do? And you may be asking that question. Repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. If that's your prayer today, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to challenge you to make that commitment. Cry out to holy God. How's your community today? Have you, are you too fragile to get it with other people that may love you unconditionally? Who are you doing the one another's with? How's your family life? Father, I just pray over each individual here and online right now, Lord, that that their hearts are being pierced to be devoted completely to You and Your Word and Your community. Lord, I pray even now that what we teach and preach and what's in your word becomes reality and not just stories we tell. Lord, may the world know that we're your disciples by the love we have one for another. And may we love on them into the kingdom. So Lord, as Brett and the team lead us in this song, we declare that you are worthy May the songs come from our heart now, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please stand. I I call you to this altar if you so want to come just to be all in with what God is doing right now.